365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Riordan. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 38 of Purple Psychology. Thank you for tuning in in 62 countries around the world. This podcast is brought to you by 365 Success app. 365 Success, all one word. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, you're welcome. Thank you very much. We are surrounded by ginger and lemon and honey and lozenges and tea. And uh, because flights tend to kill the two of us, I think our voices are starting to come back. Yes, I'm just trying not to cough. My lung infection is uh, much better now. Thankfully, I have inhalers anyway, so I did much better than your good self. We're going to start off with actually some feedback we got on Twitter at Dr. Nisha and at Marie O'Riordan. There was a gentleman asking us to recommend more INFJ podcasts and episodes. And it's actually quite a hard thing to do because there's such little accurate information out there. Yes, one of the reasons why I recorded that episode is because there's very little to read on INFJs. Um, you really have to sort of trial the internet to try and find anything anything at all to read. And what about in libraries? Um, I found that you're better looking at the people with a personality type and actually looking at their lives and maybe reading their books. Um, you get more of a sense and, and more out of it by actually concentrating on the other INFJs out there rather than just concentrating on the personality type of INFJ because a lot of people who write about INFJs are not INFJs and there's never really the depth there but if you actually look at other INFJ people um, you tend to get more from it. I had a conversation with a woman last week on the telephone and uh, I was actually recommending that she doesn't take much heed in those online personality tests anymore, as we've discussed in previous episodes, because she was comparing herself to someone and they both had the personality types wrong because we both, no one have met both people. Yes, um, I think one of the problems with the online tests is, is it makes a very fundamental assumption and that is that you actually know yourself. Um, and that you're able to answer the questions. And quite often, when I ask people certain questions and, and certain elements of the personality, they'll always give me a different answer. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll get them to do exercises with me, and how they actually approach the exercises tells me more about them than their answers do. So you can't just take someone's answer at face value. All right. Recently, you were live in studio on a national radio station and you said you would come back to this. So you wanted to talk more, I guess, in depth on your, your favourite topic, homework. There's a surprise. Yes. Um, I just thought it would be good to do this because I've done a lot of interviews and you're always short for time and there's always rolling questions and quite often you're put up against other people and so you never actually get to talk about what you really want to talk about in the order and you always leave something out so I thought I'd record a podcast and put everything in it that I never get to put in an interview um <laughs> yippee yeah um I'll probably end the game more interviews out of this the, <laughs> the, the, I, I usually do yeah. actually a radio station just followed it there a minute ago it was quite funny I was like oh okay it started again <laughs> okay um so the first the first part of this is that um, you can't compare education country by country because there's different personality types. And I've talked about this in the past that, you know, introverted in Europe is different to introverted in America. 
um, because of the, the culture and, and what happens. And so the sort of assumption that everybody wants to take homework home so that they work independently doesn't work very well in Ireland because we're a largely extrovert nation. And extrovert people always need to work with someone else. Hence, all homework in Ireland is done around the kitchen table with everybody involved in it because people don't want to go and do it on their own. So that's the first fundamental flaw with the whole concept, because we're sending homework home so that we are encouraging independent learning, but it's never independent. Not in Ireland, anyway. No, it, 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 and it ends up being a full family process. And this is part of the problem, because I'm always brought in to mediate, because families get sick of the rows and the tears and the aggro. And maybe there's a massive assumption as well that when you send homework home, the parents can actually do it. Um, like, I can never assume when people come to me, if, if there's a learning difficulty with the student I'm working with, they're more than likely that it's been inherited from the family. And I can't make the assumption that people can do the exercises. And actually, one of the really funny things that happens is, is that, as you know, all the exercises and uh, suggestions I make, the whole family ends up doing them <laughs> yeah. invariably. Because, you know, other people go, oh, God, that, that's working really well for my daughter. I think I better do that that too um and so the whole family ends up doing it and then the younger siblings coming along do the same program as well automatically so you know so it, do, it does it does follow true and the really annoying bit for me is that sometimes the the homework that's being sent home is quite controlled so we send home books to read because we want people to read books but the books are usually not something people want to read and they're not terribly enjoyable and they're not a book that the whole family wants to sit down and so read. So what's the alternative? Well, this is one of the criticisms I have. Because like in other cultures, you know, we assume that the people will read books or they will find a way to enjoy a book at home. Um, and for instance, one of the programmes that I loved when I lived in the UK was the book at bedtime on Radio 4. And there was quite often books on that that I wouldn't manage to read myself and they're read nightly to you a portion of the book. So we make a, a lot of assumptions, um, particularly in Ireland, that when we send home books to read that we're going to make the house literate. But we don't. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. And maybe the books that are being pitched are not being pitched at a very nice level. But suddenly, if you send a book home as a suggestion and there is an audiobook version of it, people might get stuck into it. And then they might decide that it's a series and actually they really enjoyed that. So they'll try reading the second book in it um, and so on. But it's, it just naturally happens in other cultures that houses become literate. We don't assume that we have to send home Rover the Dock to make the house literate. And so a lot of the books that were sent home with me as a child were horrendous. I'm, I'm sure you went through it as well. I didn't actually because cause we were, well, we were reading encyclopedias because my mother worked with an encyclopedia company from when we were tiny tots. So I didn't have that. Yeah, and you probably just ignored whatever was sent home to, to be read because you were miles ahead of it. And that's my point in case too. So then when you do get children that are massively literate and you send home certain books to read, they kind of look at them and they go, why would I want to read that? Like, I'm already reading Lord of I the mean, Rings. we were into James Joyce from about nine or ten, which yeah. was ridiculous. And, and you know, it, oh, it did go over my head. So, so we're not encouraging literature or encouraging reading by what we're doing. So that, that's one of my criticisms so it, there is a big element and that is a big chunk of what's being sent home the next thing that's being sent home is spellings right and this really wrecks my head because 
it's a massive stress and there's all invariably a test on a Friday morning of 20 spellings that you got through the week. Now, if I wanted somebody to learn 20 spellings, I would pick them very strategically. I would start with big words rather than small words because they're easier to spell because they have more parts to them. I would pick words that were all quite similar so that you could show the the sort of visual breakup of words um, rather than the phonics breakup. Um, I wouldn't make the assumption that everybody could do phonics because at least 10% of the children in that class can't do phonics for a variety of reasons. And I would send home a whole series of word games in order to learn those spellings. And in fact, I wouldn't send them home. I do them in class all week. What about children with auditory processing disorders? Have they issues with phonics? Yes, they would as well. So was I one of those kids? Yeah, probably. But you, you read from a young age, so you learn how to spell by reading. Um, okay. Um, so, so you know, so I don't know. And again, this is a huge stress. Okay. So that that kind of, and then we have. I, I love your technical term, if I can quote you. Wrecking your head. That's very Irish. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it is like it's 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 causing huge drama in families. And then we're expected to learn Irish at the same time and learn Irish spellings. And one of the big challenges with Irish is that it actually looks very similar to English. And so people with who have difficulty with phonics don't realize that actually Irish even though it looks the same it sounds different. The only time I ever gotten beaten up by a teacher in school was in national school because I couldn't get my Irish. I just always had difficulty with Irish and I was flung across and the corner of my head hit the corner of the blackboard. But um yeah so I I just have always had this kind of um block when it comes to Irish ever since then. But yeah I know people who are very happily learning Irish now when when they find I use Duolingo Yep. The free app. Which is fantastic. Duolingo. Absolutely amazing. I actually have five languages on the go on that thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then there's maths. Um, there's a lot of basic maths concepts like fractions um, that there is brilliant ways to present them in so that people can get them. And again, people, children who are bad at maths, their parents are bad at maths. So again, there's a massive stress in the household because you have people trying to help people to do maths who were always bad at maths themselves. And you know, you have this vortex that, that happens. So then if we jump ahead to secondary school, um, we spend so much time giving out so much homework, right? That we spend most of our class time correcting it. Um, so we never actually get to cover what we want to cover in the lessons and the, the whole strategy of lessons goes out the window because particularly with maths it revolves around do one or two problems in class, show people how to do it, they try how to do it themselves, they don't, they've missed some of the steps. Um, a, a lot of learners don't pick up the steps, particularly in maths. And so they can't do the maths homework, so they've convinced themselves that they can't do maths. Then they go back into class the following day, it's all marked wrong. Um, and they, they feel hugely stressed and they're kind of like, I'll never be able to do maths, right? And then they get another chunk of homework that night, which they go home and they still can't do. And they go back in and it's all that marked wrong. Like that was my secondary school life. I was freaked out because I just couldn't do an awful lot of my homework. Yeah, but we never sent maths homework home from the homework club. Um, ironically, the name the homework club. Um, we've talked about that in the past. So... Whatever maths we did, we did with people because you, you can't be shown to do maths. You have to try it yourself to know if you know the steps and if you remember it. And so, yes, you work through the first couple of problems in a group. Then you try on your own. Then you get stuck. Then you immediately ask for help and go, oh, right, that's where I was stuck. And you learn that step and you move on and you keep moving forward. You've, and you never get into that vortex of, I can't do maths. You've described maths as this Lego building block subject 
yes, it's, it's one of those things that if you don't get the steps before, you can't move on. It's like building Lego. If you have holes in the foundation, you can never keep building. You'll always have a really rocky structure. You, you'll have a house with loads of holes in it. Are dyslexics like yourself better at maths? Because you flew through maths and physics and all that technical and then data science and all that kind of stuff. Is, is that just part of it? or? Yeah, some streams of dyslexics are brilliant at maths. Like you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then we go to along to English essays in secondary school. And every Sunday night there's tears because they don't know how to write the essay and they've left it and they've procrastinated over it and avoided it. And it gets to Sunday night and it's like, oh God, I have to have it done for tomorrow morning. <laughs> that sounds familiar. That was me. <laughs> yeah, right. And we go through a whole year of this. And no matter how many times you go through this torture, it doesn't help you to write better essays because invariably you never get time in class to show people what a good essay looks like. And you quite often, the teachers don't have the time correcting it. So they'll write things on it like expand. And you're kind of like, yeah, but how? How do I expand? Yeah. And six months later, you've done however many essays and you've had however many tantrums on a Sunday night and you still don't know how to expand the essay and you still don't know what it looks like. So I would have failed. I failed um, leaving cert honours English the first time round. I got an E and it's well publicised and then I repeated it and I got a D. I passed it finally in honours again. But before I met you, I had never seen what an A paper looked like. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense because this is one of the dilemmas um, and it's one of the massive triggers in people suddenly doing well in English. Um, so like I'm, I'm describing how this works and you know there's these good students out there like I you know I'll, I'll talk to them and they'll spend two and a half hours doing homework particularly if they're in the exam year. Um, that's a night, okay? Which is a huge chunk it's of time. Crazy. Yeah, so what they're doing now is they're all staying in school after school, so they're spending even more time in school to get it done so that when they get home, they actually have time off, right? And they're invariably giving up all their sports and their music and all their other interesting things in their life that they need to, to chill out and to have a good life. So we're, we're training people to for 14 years in school to take work home with them, to throw everything out of their life that actually manages to give them a sane existence, which is good for their physical and their mental health. And this is somehow supposed to be life skills. Are you saying that homework is bad for your mental health? Well, it's been proven that it is, because there's schools in the UK now, um, fee-paying schools, that are actually um, looking very seriously at abolishing homework at secondary level, um, because there's a direct correlation between anxiety, stress and suicide. Whoa. Um, and and I, I would concur with that um, in what I'm seeing. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's frightening. It's, it's terrifying. But this is, this is the mindset that we're teaching people as to how to go into jobs for life. Yeah, and I've said this before on the podcast, if I had ever, you know, brought work home, there was one boss in particular... Uh, didn't want you in the company if you had to bring work home because it meant you weren't doing your job right you weren't being productive or you weren't being efficient and I, I agree with him yeah so you have these good students that are doing all this work and then they feel like they have to study on top of it because sometimes the homework is not set up that they don't feel like they're actually studying what they need to be studying and that they're actually moving towards being able to do good exam papers so they'll end up trying to study on top of the two and a half hours that they're spending doing which really doesn't make sense and then they never feel like they've done enough which which also seems completely counterintuitive and i know people probably look at i'm going to tell you and you know when i say something i mean it 
But there were nights in secondary school and I would spend anything up to five hours in my bedroom slaving, trying to make sense of the stuff that I just could not do. Yes, and, and I, I spent a lot of time studying because um, I, I roughly worked three times harder than everybody else in order to achieve what I, what I achieved. Um, and I suppose what I promised people when they're working with me that an hour with us was worth three in your bedroom because I wanted people to be able to get as good a results as I did but much more efficiently. Um, so, so that you know that that was very important to me, and we've always kept to that promise. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's episode thirty-eight of Purple Psychology. The website is purplepsychology.com. This podcast is brought to you by Three Six Five Success App. It's a brand new app in the App Store. Three Six Five Success, all one word to search for it. Thank you so much for tuning in. 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Reardon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.